Hey folks, you're listening to How to Win an Advocacy Campaign, where you'll get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to fight for what you believe in, but how to win. I'm Joe Fold. And I'm Martin Diego Garcia, and you can find us at CMPWRKSHP on Twitter or at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram. Welcome and thanks for listening to Episode 8 of How to Win an Advocacy Campaign. So on our last episode, we discussed the joys and challenges of working in coalition with Hannah Willard. So make sure to take a listen to that episode. Today, we're going to jump into all things advocacy communications. We'll walk through some different types of communications you can do, uh, how to be effective on these different types of mediums, and a couple of things you should keep in mind when it comes to communicating for advocacy. So before we jump off, Joe, will you talk to us a little bit about what are the different forms or the different mediums in which organizations can engage in when they are thinking about uh, communications in the advocacy space? Absolutely. So communications and communications tactics do different things, right? So you have earned media, which is free press, which is probably pretty good for reach, right? And getting people to know about your issue and engage on your issue and paid media where you're doing digital advertising or doing television ads or radio or direct mail, which also often are reach functions. But also if you're doing digital, it could be targeted for conversion, right? So that could be paid ads that get people to sign up on a list, sign a petition, engage, right? Or comms for long-term engagement, like you might be doing internal communications that is free or paid for your organization. Like communications could be a weekly email you send out to members of your organization. That counts as communications. And so um, for me, it's really thinking about what are your goals and how do you how does that communications process fit for you? What are the right tactics for you? Martine, what do you think about when organizations are putting together a communications plan? If I think first and foremost, know your message, right? So what is going to be your core message? Have you done your research? Have you done your message box? Have you figured out your targets, right? And crafted a message that you have buy-in, right? From all of the folks, whether it's throughout your organization or in the coalition you're working with before you actually start sending tweets and posting blogs and sending out press releases, right, and creating a website, knowing your core message and having buy-in is going to be really important and hopefully save you some headaches. Um, But make sure that that message that you land on is the one you're most confident in because you're only going to get one chance at that first impression with your target audiences. So really critical to do that research on on the front end. But also understanding which mediums you're going to be using and why you're going to be using them is going to be critically important. Yeah, that why is a big deal. And often what happens is people say, oh, we should just do some direct mail or we should do some television as opposed to thinking about the end goal. So understanding that if you're doing something for conversions where you're wanting people to sign up, digital is going to be a better medium than if you're doing radio. So you want to think about, but if you're trying to go for reach, radio might be a better medium than other mediums. So you have to really think about the goal first, the message, right, that fits that goal, and then the medium that fits the goal and the message. 
Definitely. Right? Before, before you threw everything in the kitchen sink at the wall, make sure you know what you're trying to get out of the wall, right? Uh, so Twitter is going to be short. It's going to be snappy, right? Usually for rapid response or to engage in things that are currently trending. If you think about Facebook or Facebook Live, uh, they're going to tend to be a little bit longer. They perform a little bit better, maybe an older audience, right? But, but you can create a sense of online community, when you're thinking about Instagram, right, it mainly operates with visual elements and visual components. So thinking if you're an outdoors organization in favor of parks and, and recreation, right, how do you post pictures of nature? If you are an animal rights or welfare organization, thinking of cute puppies and kitties, right? So does your, if you're, if there is a not a visual component in, in your work, Instagram may not be the right medium for you. Um, and then lastly, thinking about your website content, right? It's it's a really great place to put, tie all these pieces together. It could be a great place for doing some storytelling, keeping people engaged on a regular basis. As Joe mentioned, doing daily, weekly, biweekly blogs or, or FAQs um, and, and things similar to that. Yeah. And what I'd also say is think about, depending on your budget, what traditional mediums you might want to do. If you have to reach a whole lot of people, you might need to be on television or might be on radio. Or if you have a targeted message that is just going to some people and not to everyone, direct mail might be the best way to go in comps. So you want to think about that. And there's lots of choices out there. And this is why not rushing into a conversation, but planning is so important. Definitely. And as people are thinking about how to strike that, that fine balance between uh, engagement and communications that are going to keep your folks in the loop without sort of overwhelming them, spamming them, disengaging with or getting them to disengage with you. What do you recommend, Joe? Well, so when you're putting together organizational communications, which is really what that is, like weekly, week in, week out, you want to really think about the calendar right? How are you going to create a content calendar that works? And, you know, here at the Campaign Workshop, right, we do Facebook Lives on a weekly basis. We do blog posts twice a week. We do tweets all the time, right? But we know that not everyone is listening or looking at everything that we do, right? We have this podcast that we do um, in different seasons. So it's understanding your audience, understanding what are the ways that they engage and thinking about different content offerings that might be best to go out once a quarter. It might be that you just don't have the resources to do a blog post twice a week. That's fine. Do a good one once a month. Maybe it's a longer blog post that's like 2,000 words that you're doing once a month that goes out to everyone than is part of your email newsletter and is more like a content offering. So really thinking about your goals. And it's not just overwhelming your audience, but also thinking about what is the best way to utilize your staff and your team based on the budget that you have and the resources that you have internally. You might have people that could write more and you could do more things or could record more things, or you might have less. And then you also want to think about that balance of earned media. What is the outreach that you can be doing to press and coalition partners to get more engagement? Definitely. I mean, some quick rules of thumb, right? If if you're going to be on Facebook Lives, think about probably in that weekly, bi-weekly space, right? If you're doing blog posts, as Joe said, it's going to depend on capacity, but you want to keep folks engaged and, and train them to know what's coming. So think about maybe once a week, once every other week, right? Tweets and Facebook posts, you're probably doing a couple times a week. But again, it's going to depend on capacity. And if you only have the capacity to do a few of these, think about the ones that are going to have 
the largest impact on the communities in which you were trying to reach. And what I'd also say is these things feed off each other, right? If you write a great piece of content, you can send it out to reporters. You have a relationship. They may call you and say, hey, let's do an article on that. Or there might be a like insider publication or a blog that picks something up. And that's great. Um, you really want to think about that. And then you want to balance that with your budget around paid communications. You might not have all the money in the world to be able to do a constant flow of like Google AdWords, but there might be specific times a year where it makes sense to be doing Google AdWords or to be doing paid Facebook ads. So thinking about the seasonality of your communications, whether that's around advocacy or that's around organizational issues, you want to think about what works best for you and chart that out in a yearly calendar. Definitely. And I think one of the other things to think about is, right, what are the current rules and laws? And they seem to be continuously changing as we are are, are continuously tracking the changes that are being made that you think are only going to affect maybe the political space or the electoral space, and they're not. They actually do have some implications in the advocacy space as well. So keeping up to date, and feel free to contact us too if you have questions on what can and cannot be sent out in terms of paid media or paid advertising on some of these social platforms. We're happy to help. And then last thing I say is, is target your audience, right? How do you continue to think about your audience first, right? Um, you don't want to waste time and money if you're not sending your right the right message through the right medium to the right people to help accomplish your goal. Audience, 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 right? This is not about you. It is about them. Um, so always putting them first is going to be really, really critical. Yeah. And you want to think when it comes to the audience, you want to think about making it relevant to them, demonstrating urgency, proving your organization or campaign has the ability to solve the problem and then have a call to action at the end to get people involved. Also have it at the beginning too, right? Have a call to action a couple times in the communications you put out. You'd be surprised how many conversions you actually can get if you're thoughtful and think about it. Definitely. If somebody's engaged and wants to interact with you and then you don't give them a way to actually take an action, right? They don't know where to go. They're like, yeah, I'm totally in, but what do I do? You have to give them that answer. Absolutely. All right. So when we get back, Joe's going to be chatting with Eric Sanchez about his experiences in advocacy communications and see what exciting tips and tricks he has learned from some of the very interesting projects he's been able to work on. We'll be right back. And we're back. Eric Sanchez is a political and advocacy communications pro. He's the co-founder of United Public Affairs and was the traveling press secretary for Andrew Yang's 2020 presidential campaign. Eric continues to serve as the spokesman for Andrew and Evelyn Yang and their organization, Humanity Forward. Prior to joining the Yang campaign, Eric was a strategic consultant for AFSCME, was the press secretary for Congressman Tim Ryan, and Eric is also known for his social media activism, which includes running a successful campaign to support celebrity chef Jose Antres in pulling his restaurant out of the Trump International Hotel, as well as a campaign to support Comet Ping Pong, a pizza restaurant that was the center of the far-right Pizzagate conspiracy theory. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? Joe, thank you for having me on. I'm doing really well. Uh, you know, just excited to be here uh, and excited to have this conversation with you today. We've known each other for a very long time. Uh, you've been privy to a lot of my craziness. So I feel like if, if, if anyone I have a discussion with about uh, all these topics, 
you are probably one of the folks that know most intimately all this craziness that has happened. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I talked about all the stuff that you've done in your career and your life, but one of the things that you are like most known for is, of course, Kenny Loggins. Talk about why you got Kenny Loggins to play in your living room. Again, I've, you know, Eric and I have been friends for a long time. I've known Eric as someone who proudly wore the banner of like my DJ as my dentist. <laughs> really liked a lot of like 80s music, which we could bond, we'll bond over later. But like, why get Kenny Loggins to play a concert in your living room? Well, I remember this. This was, um, so this was in 2014. I remember there was, I was scrolling on Twitter and, and Loggins had a, a crowdfunding project uh, where he was trying to get money for an album and at his highest level uh, uh, donor rate uh, were able to pony up this big amount. He would come with uh, two other guitarists and perform this set in your living room. And so, you know, obviously I didn't have that expendable income. I think most Americans if they had $30,000 laying around, probably wouldn't apply it toward a private concert. They would probably invest it wisely. But, um, you know, I considered it an opportunity to kind of take this in an unknown direction. And obviously, um, you know, at the time, crowdfunding, uh, not that crowdfunding isn't popular anymore, but I feel like at, at that point, it was really um, peaking. Uh, and there was a gentleman I actually met along the way who I think it was over the 4th of July had a crowdfunding project uh, to make potato salad and earn, I want to say, raise something like 60 or 65 grand. I mean, it was obviously a much simpler time than it is right now. But, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, I don't have this money laying around, but maybe I can uh, piggyback off of his crowdfunding project, start my own and take some of the uh, skill sets that I had learned throughout the way with, with Earn Media to see how far we could push this project. And one of my favorite moments, a friend of mine, uh, when I launched the project, I posted on social media, he commented something like, you know, having funded, you know, uh, several successful projects in the past, I can tell you with certainty, this one will not get funded. And I feel like that was a motivator for me to be like, you know what, I'm just going to prove this one person wrong. <laughs> See so, so you have done some serious projects. You've done some fun projects. But talk to us about like the skills it takes and what folks should be thinking about if you're starting your own sort of social media advocacy around an issue. When you start something like that, what do you think about? Where do you start first? Carl, I, always, I, I feel like the thing I always keep in focus from start to finish is a call to action. It's, uh, you, know, I need fo you know, I need your help raising X money. Uh, I need your help. Uh, getting X signatures. I need your help driving uh, other folks to RSVP for an event. I mean, that's been a common theme for pretty much any project I've had, either personal or professional, is keeping side of that end goal. Because no matter what the variable is, whether you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether or not you're doing a, a TV interview, uh, podcast, anything, the call to action is the most important part. And, um, you know, in a lot of these static campaigns, uh, it's simple because you, you have one one singular call to action that you're going to push together. In the in the Loggins example, obviously, I was working to raise thirty thousand dollars. So you know my uh, immediate um, you know call there was just driving folks to one hub where I knew they could they could donate money uh, easily. And one of the one of the best things, at least pieces of advice I got from a friend, was making sure that 
uh, being able to pull that call to action would be easiest if I did something like, you know, provide an easy domain for folks to to go to. So, you know, uh, I use Kickstarter as a platform for that project. But like, you know, in order to drive people to my project, I would have had to send them the like kickstarter.com slash project, you know, equal sign seven five. So I bought the domain logginsLivingroom.com. And that made it easy as I did media interviews to just reiterate, you know, here's the website. If you want to go check this out. And then, you know, in the, um, in the, uh, in the Trump scenario where I had a petition uh, and I was gathering signatures there, I can't remember. It was something along the lines of dump Trump. Maybe it was dump Trump DC or something along those lines.com. If it was dump Trump.com, I hope I still have that domain. (laughs) I don't think it was that though, but something close to it. So, when you're setting those goals, how do you make sure the goal isn't o- overwhelming for you from a time perspective? And, you know, part of this is you've done these creative things, but how do you, if you're doing this for an organization or a small group, how do you set an achievable goal that you can build off of? Well, I think it's, it, there, there are a couple of different variables there. I mean, timing is certainly one, you know, and, and something that uh, I try to, set expectations for as I'm working with organizations is, is giving them an understanding that I feel uh, for the most part projects become really successful, both from uh, a media standpoint and, you know, an organizing standpoint is, is when you can figure out a way to make uh, hit the zeitgeist. And that was something that I was pretty popular for just understanding uh, a little bit about, not only, um, you know, what's happening politically in our world, but what's happening from a pop cultural standpoint as well. And those things are helpful. And whether it's like using an emerging tool, um, you know, like Kickstarter for 2014 or, you know, uh, I feel like these days it's like TikTok. It's one of those things, just understanding how to leverage that tool is, is incredible. Even looking back to um, the end campaign in some essences and, and beyond that, you know, different project rollouts or policy rollouts that we swore, um, you know, would gain immediate media interest, just had none. Or, you know, as we would travel, you know, Iowa, but obviously like, you know, with at the time 20 different campaigns running around, it was hard to, to get everyone's attention, but there'd be times where we'd go and walk into rooms and it'd be zero, zero cameras, zero anything. And so, you know, I think that that piece can particularly be difficult, but you know, I think it's just a matter of, and for me, being being aware of the projects or the clients that I am working with, and just making sure that um, you know we we set expectations reasonably to say, hey, look, you know, we would love to be able to get you a petition that generates uh, national media, but you know, sometimes it just it, it means um, uh, an understanding, and really, in some ways, like the autonomy to be able to run. Uh, in any different direction. And some, some organizations are more flexible than others, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you've encountered it. A lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies have uh, communication shops that are, you know, 70 or 80 big. And, and, and you know, by the time you get through the, the bureaucracy of getting a project to the starting line, uh, the moment may have already been lost. So, you know, it's just thinking about those structural barriers that can happen sometimes. So I think the question I'd ask to start is, hey, Eric, so if I am going to start on building a movement and I want to use this combination of earned media and paid media, I have a call to action I think is kind of good, but how do I 
start a campaign like this. I'm ready to go. What are things that you th- – give me some other things beyond the call to action that I should be thinking about. One of the things that I like to do and develop first off as I'm pulling a campaign like this together, no matter what tool I decide to use, whether it's a petition, whether it's a fundraising apparatus, is uh, number one, constructing my message, uh, helping to create the urgency around uh, that need. You know, I could think recently uh, I was working on a project with a friend of mine here in New Orleans where, you know, uh, we pulled down some Confederate statues. We had uh, a very popular um, black female chef who passed away. And so uh, we were working to get this uh, circle renamed uh, for her and just kind of, you know, taking her legacy and grounding within the city. Uh, we, we applied some public pressure. It kind of fell by the wayside in the, in the grand scheme of, of New Orleans bureaucracy, which is its own thing. But, um, you know, at the same time, uh, one of the things that I like to do is is build, you know, a, a, a concrete message triangle of like, here's what's here's the void. Here's how it gets filled. Here's why it needs to get filled. Um, and so this is what you have to do. What are some ways in which you can build for the long term using earned media? What are some best practices that you think about um, as long term strategies around engagement? Well, you know, as my firm and, and, and I, when we sit down and we look towards a, a long term client, you know, some of the things that we do, uh, obviously, with every organization has a series of, of project rollouts throughout the year. And I think um, thinking towards that, it, it, it takes uh, an all encompassing approach. It's not just analyzing assets like, you know, digital structures. It's also uh, considering what else is happening in the world, taking a look at um, legislative calendars, taking a look at even, you know, pop cultural calendars, like things like, uh, you know, it's National uh, Bread Pudding Day and and maybe you're working with a National Dessert Association and, and being able to, you know, grab everything that happens throughout the year, calendaring it out effectively and actually developing uh, real and, and kind of like I mentioned earlier, in, in a way like zeitgeist uh, strategies to be able to um, uh, land even, you know, between small and big punches. And in the meantime, uh, figure out what are some uh, alternative outcomes? If it's not, you know, generating media, is it building an email list? Is it building up a, a digital followership, um, you know, amping up social media numbers or, you know, uh, finding amplifiers, as I like to call them, just, you know, uh, folks that you know, I will turn to um, uh, within the the uh, social media ethos that can help uh, create an echo chamber for some of the clients that I've worked with. So if you're building an organization and you're saying, hey, we know we're going to be doing long-term communications, we know we're going to have some free media hits that we're going to want to have, what are ways in which you build a really good list of amplifiers? I mean, it's, it sounds cheesy, but it's really, uh, it really does take thoughtful relationship building, I've learned. I mean, I feel like these amplifiers don't like being treated as amplifiers, and I understand that. Like, it, it's, I was reading uh, the other day, this, this journalist put together a Medium post of how she appreciated getting pitches. And if those pitches felt like, you know, general, you know, PR announcements and things of like that nature – she wasn't so interested in getting that and, and would not uh, receive that pitch. But, you know, things like emerging trends, um, things that would actually be of interest and, and, and 
being able to to spell that out uh, was of, of more importance. And I think that in that same vein, you know, if there is an emerging trend, like let's use uh, voter registration as an example. Uh, maybe there's an emerging platform that's being used to help foster, you know, uh, these the, uh, the voter registration platform. We were talking about uh, TikTok earlier. So maybe, um, you know, you have influencers who are using TikTok to help, um, you know, generate voter registration. Being able to spell out how uh, how that being implied uh, ends up being places an emerging trend would fall into this into this journalist's uh, litmus test. So, kind of thinking it, it, at it from that direction, I feel um, is really helpful. Instead of just you know uh, turning these folks when, whenever there's just a, a, a project announcement, but more so kind of helping to spell how the project you're working on is fitting into their greater mold, whether it's progressive activism or something along those lines, um, you know, making them feel like they're part of a coalition instead of treating them like, you know, that this, I'm just going to come to you when I need to, you know, push stuff out and, and all that I think is really helpful creating that investment. And, and obviously I feel like it, 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 instead of, um, you know, using your networks as in a transactional sense, figuring out a way to build that, uh, build that goodwill to make sure that, you know, you keep, uh, a steady stream, even if it's, you know, things like access into infrastructures or conference calls or just, you know, I feel like we're all in an effort to have our voices heard and, and, and being able to create those spaces, uh, things like podcasts, you know, and, and being able to to open the door for ideas to be changed and exchanged and, and uh, allow us all the opportunity to evolve, I think is really helpful. Well, that's great. All right. So once you get somebody to engage with you, just to start, you get an initial engagement and you feel like you have the potential for them to be a part of your community. Talk about how you cultivate that. Um, I think, you know, uh, the cultivation of it happens in a lot of ways. And, and, and so for, for um, you know, the friends that I've been able to work with, it, it's funny. It really has just been a matter of, um, of uh, keeping constant contact and, and, you know, it, it uh, especially for a time like this, it, it, it's funny, but it, it goes a long way to just check in every once in a while and see how folks are doing and and, and really just um, offering up those type of just relational one-on-one interactive opportunities. And I know it, it sounds uh, really simple, but it really is that way because it's like, you know, um, a lot of these folks, a lot of the influencers are being bombarded uh, by a lot of different people to get projects are lifted and, and um, really just being able to to uh, offer up an opportunity for feedback. And in a lot of ways, I learned things uh, that I didn't understand about um, how to interact, how to pitch, how to uh, offer up content it, it is, is really helpful to just like go beyond the, hey, I have this thing. I think you should retweet it or it'd be helpful if you would. It's like, so what do you think about this project or what do you think about this organization? How can they get better? And then next thing you know, it might uh, open up the, the window of opportunity for, you know, other conversations to take place between the principals and these folks who really hold the gateway of, of helping, you know, projects see more than just uh, the eyeballs of, of journalists who are seeing a million emails come in on a daily basis. Yeah. And your pitch is not always just to journalists. Your pitch might be to someone with a big following on Twitter. Right. Your pitch might be to a journalist directly. Are there other things that you've done, especially like, let's say somebody contacts you like 
follows you on social media. What is another way you've used to engage with them? Do you ever send them something, add them to your list? What are other things that you do? Well, I think I think adding list adding has been really uh, relevant. Uh, your listeners may not know. I also started making these uh, pillows with Dr. Anthony Fauci's face on them, uh, which is a project I started. You always have a new hobby all the time, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, it, it's like, by the way, I've I decided to make pillows with Anthony Fauci's face on it, which, as yeah. if this is something everyone does during that, COVID nineteen. That people, people, yeah, everyone. It's totally a normal thing, but. I, I started selling these pillows in May. Um, uh, a neighbor and I kind of uh, brainstormed this. And they, they're called Fouch on the Couch. Uh, and if anyone's listening and they're interested in buying one, website's just uh, FouchOnTheCouch.com, product plug. But um, uh, that was an interesting project because I've never worked with e-commerce before. But one thing I did do because I had them available, I sent them, I sent a pillow to all the producers I work with uh and online influencers that i've worked with as well uh just as a hey you know here you go you know i hope you're doing well uh here's a fun little memento of of the COVID era and you know i think it's a little bit of everything it's just um you know making making and and letting people know that you're thinking of them outside of when you when you just need them for an amplifying tool i think is is really really helpful and it, it you know it's small gestures uh really go a long way um, but also, you know, looking outside of, of the traditional and, and, you know, I, and one thing that we definitely, uh, applied on the Yang campaign, um, was the use of podcasts. I mean, uh, Andrew will say it himself. Like, I mean, Joe Rogan basically helped, uh, uh, push his campaign into unknown, uh, into, into reputable, uh, with, with one appearance. Uh, and then we kind of just moved and segued from there into um, other appearances. But he still, I mean, now he has his own podcast. And and I think that uh, there's a lot to be said about, you know, I, I, I feel like we would call them unorthodox opportunities before. But now podcasts are, are become, have become so mainstream that, you know, it, it's hard to build and develop a media strategy without thinking of them. And, if, and for those uh, media consultants who don't, consider podcasts as part of the strategy. It's kind of a real missed opportunity, in my opinion. Great. Well, hey, Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Anything you need, John, I look forward to doing that. All right. Take care. All right, and we're back. Um, so although I may not get Kenny Loggins in my living room, I may have to look into these Fauci on the couch uh, pillows that Eric was talking about. But um, I want to go over some of the really important takeaways from the interview with Eric. I think the first and foremost, right, what I really liked um, is when Eric talked about amplifiers. Right. So unless you or your organization has celebrity level numbers of Twitter followers or Instagram followers, right, your singular voice may only go so far. Right. It, it may only reach folks who already know about you. So you want to think about how can you tap into those folks or those enthusiastic supporters of your cause, your issue, your campaign, who will also retweet your tweets, share your posts, right, like your your Instagram posts, tell their friends and followers about your organization and your cause to help expand your reach, right? 
Because remember, people are going to trust what they hear from their friends and family, likely over what they're going to hear from an organization they don't have a relationship with, right? So you want to try and really create an echo chamber where your message is bouncing around and they're hearing it a couple times uh, versus it getting lost in the noise of, say, national or international uh, discourse or, or current events, right? So, Joe, what are some ways in which folks can identify some of these amplifiers within their networks? So I would say reach out to the community and look at your list. You want to look at who are people in your list that are on Twitter. There are different tools, and we can put it in the show notes, that allow you to sort of analyze your list for social media engagement. You want to do that. You also want to connect with people who already do this well in the community. Get some tips from people who have a good social media following. Maybe put them on your Facebook Live. Have them as a guest engage with them so you pick up some of their followers. And really, you want to think about in and what are the ways that you want to be using social media to engage? If it's conversions, you probably want to use email. If it's reach, you probably want to do Facebook um, or Twitter. And so you want to think about who has the best outreach, the best list around those things and connect with them to build your list, right? You have to use permission. You have to engage with those people and make sure they're okay with helping you, but ask for help. That's the way I've found over the years that I've been able to build an audience is find other like-minded people who care about your cause and want to connect with you. Absolutely. We actually just did a um, pretty cool training with a group and organization who were trying to do this, right? As you think about particularly in the social media space, it's all about engagement and the algorithms. And although the algorithms tend to change, right, it's about how are people engaging with the information that you are posting or putting out on these social medias. But what they did was they had really active volunteers who some of them were on social media and some of them weren't, but gave them the tools um, and the uh, knowledge that they needed in order to be active on some of these platforms, to start liking and to start sharing, to start reposting, to start growing their followers, so that even though they weren't influencers or amplifiers right now, they could start building them so that they could be and increase that reach. Other things to keep in mind that Eric talked about, you want to seize the moment in pop culture, what's already being talked about online, what is a way for you to engage people in that message that's already out there. You want to build on your message first before you start putting it in social media. So you want to make sure you really know your Tully message box. You want to think about other ways. Is it a message triangle? Is it a message wheel? Whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're using some sort of a message building tool that you're comfortable with to really know the building blocks of your message and use that in social. And then you want to be flexible, really think about what are ways to engage people. You want to keep things simple and Always talk about your URL, your your website name, and when you're pitching journalists or other amplifiers, you want to make sure that you understand their motivations. What are they trying to get out of this and connect with them? Also understand sometimes that every time a journalist calls you, it might not be the right fit and you can send them to somebody else and just build a relationship. I think to me, one of the things that Eric has done best over time is really build great relationships with people. And that's what this is all about to really help expand your message. I could agree more, right? As Eric said, right, if you don't have really strong relationships with these potential amplifiers, it's it's unlikely that they're going to be 
sharing your message freely and willingly, right? Um, now, you don't have to send them a pillow with Fauci's face on it, but you do need to show them that you value that relationship, right? Whether they're participants at a training, they're weekend volunteers. I mean, if you remember back to episode one, Molly Daniels talked about long-term engagement of your membership and needing to make sure that they feel like they're also getting something out of it too, right? Whether it's personal development skills or organizing and communication, right? It is a two-way street that you're hopefully building with these amplifiers and these influencers to show them, right? You're not just using them, but they are also getting something and benefiting from it as well. I think the other thing that I really liked about what Eric said um, was in regard to failure, right? And not being afraid to fail, there will be many a time, right, that you think this new initiative or this partnership is a front page worthy uh, story. And most of the time it's not. Um, So don't get discouraged, right? Not every press release or every story you pitch is actually going to make a splash, but keep at it because some of them actually will. Uh, So Joe, if organizations are trying to get some earned media, that they are putting their information out there, but no one is biting, what should they be doing to change that up a bit? Well, the first thing might be just following up, right? You can't just put out a press release and assume that people are going to pick it up and write about it. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we've seen people make is not picking up the phone or sending a message to a reporter and engaging in a conversation. Um, same thing goes with other partner organizations. If you're trying to get them to put something out on your website or in, in social media, you want to make sure that you're engaging in a conversation and following up Don't assume that you can just send them something and it goes away. That is the biggest mistake. Follow up, follow up, follow up. And beyond that, you want to also make sure that you praise folks, that you say, hey, thank you for the work you've done in the community. Thank you for what you're doing. Here's how this meets with your goals. Can you help me? Don't assume that they understand the motivation for why you're doing what you're doing and how it aligns with their goals. If you can show that alignment, that is going to be really important. And then create content that benefits your user, your reader, your coalition partners, your audience. So it stands out and converts. If they see some benefit from the content, if they think it's interesting, if they think it's helpful, they're going to put it out. And it all comes down to relationships. If you're continuing to engage and following up and you're communicating eventually your stuff is going to stick and it's going to get out there. Definitely. Well, hopefully you learned something to help up your advocacy communications game. But that is a wrap for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you have specific questions or comments about advocacy communications, contact us using the social media or email address in the show description. On our next episode, we'll be talking about fundraising for advocacy with Joe Sanjardi. Tune in to find out how to effectively and efficiently raise the money you need to run a winning advocacy campaign. So until next time, this is Martin Diego Garcia and Joe Fold breaking down how to win an advocacy campaign. How to win an advocacy campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Hope Rohrbach, Daniel Lamb, Heidi Job, and Elena Veach. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by the Global Startup Movement. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Remember to review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.